you are the creator of your experience of life. You are the captain of your ship. And once you choose the direction of your life, you are unbeatable. It's like you as the captain of your ship navigating by a North Star. And every day, you're going to have to make a choice because there are different parts of you that are going to come above board. It's going to be the enthusiastic you one day, and you're going to go one way. And then the, the lazy you and the pessimistic you, and then the self-critical you, all of them are all going to come above board. But it is your job as the captain of your ship to keep on course, to, to stay in alignment with that North Star. Otherwise, what we risk is that every single day, depending on how we feel, our life will be going in different directions, essentially going around in circles. It's the Health in the Real World podcast. It's time to start the show with Chris Jenke as your host. Here to give you everything that you need when it comes to fitness strategies. We keep it simple and easy. It's your roadmap to get healthy. You don't need equipment and you don't need a gym. Just the right strategies to get you fit and trim. The Health in the Real World podcast is sponsored by... Often we let the scripts that we learned direct our entire lives. Unhealthy habits, thinking patterns, and behaviors keep us circling around the same issues again and again. Study the science of your inner world and learn how to rewrite your life from the inside out. Visit www.iameducation.org. Hello and welcome to Health in the Real World. I'm Chris Janke and I'm joined today with Kamini Desai. Uh, she is uh, into yoga, fitness, the inner kind of the inner space uh, motivation that goes behind health and wellness. So Kamini, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, why don't you fill in any gaps that I missed as far as who you are, how you got started, what kind of people you help and, and what their goals are and how you help them with, with their goals. Sure. Um, I actually grew up as the daughter of a yoga master, um, one of the masters to bring over yoga from the East back in the 70s, 60s and 70s. So I grew up understanding kind of the inner principles and inner dimension of yoga. But what I really got interested in was psychology and the overlap between yoga and psychology and understanding how in modern times, it's not just physical health, but it's how our internal thoughts, our emotions, are positively or negatively affecting our health? And how can we get our thoughts and emotions working for us and deal with them in a healthful way? Yeah, one, one example of something, you, you know, an example of somebody who's maybe doing all the right things, but maybe doesn't have the mindset there is, is sort of like the, the person who's overdoing it. Maybe they're doing like two workouts a day, and they're maybe not sleeping enough. And I just had actually a conversation yesterday with. Um, the, the, I do a roundtable podcast where there's three of us and that seemed to be the topic of the day where we were talking about rest and recuperation and, you know, making sure you get your headspace right. So what, what does that look like with how you work with clients and do you do a lot of yoga with them or uh, mindset coaching? Like, how do you typically start somebody who's maybe looking to, to make a health change? Well, a lot of what I teach is called yoga nidra and yoga nidra is actually meditation and, but it's easy meditation. It's done lying down for those of us who struggle with sitting up tall and, and looking at our thoughts. 
and basically follows the process of sleep to that place where you're kind of resting in that twilight zone between you and your thoughts where we normally fall asleep. But in Nidra, we're just kind of resting there. And the reason I use this as a way to help people kind of reset or reprogramming their relationship with their thoughts, their behaviors, is because very often we try to change from will alone. So we tell ourselves, you know, tomorrow I'm going to work out, tomorrow I'm going to eat moderately. But if there's a deeper part of the core of our consciousness that is actually working exactly opposite of what we consciously say that we want, who's going to end up winning in the end? It's going to be that deeper unconscious part of ourselves. Right. So yoga nidra is a really great way to kind of get a distance and to reprogram, kind of re, um, recircuit from the very core of our consciousness. How would you... I how would you talk to somebody who's maybe just getting familiarized with this concept of maybe that conscious mind versus the subconscious mind? You know, somebody who maybe asked the question, like, if my conscious mind wants health, wellness, wants to work out, why on earth would my subconscious mind sabotage me? Or why would my subconscious mind want something else? Like, um, how would you talk to them about that difference between the two? Yeah, so... You know, whether we all recognize it or not, there's always something going on underneath what's really what appears to be going on. So um, an easy way to is to see this is with food very often. So we sit down and before we eat, we say, OK, I'm going to eat moderately. I'm going to choose all the right foods for myself. And then the meal comes in front of us and all that goes out the window. So that is the unconscious. It's what are we automatically default to if we're not paying attention? And that can come out of things that we learned as a child. What is, you know, what does food mean to us? Does it mean love? Does it mean comfort? Does it mean giving ourselves a break or reward or a treat? And if that is what food has become, which it is for a lot of us, that's going to be the default we go to, even though we're consciously telling ourselves, I want to eat well. So we want to work at that deeper level first. Right, right. There, um, last night for dinner, I went to a, a sushi restaurant and this is the first time I've ever been to one like this. They're, they have like a conveyor belt that's going by you. Have you been to one of those? Yes. Um, I thought it was very interesting. And, and I, think they, I think they nailed the psychology behind this is that the little plates and they're I think only $3.50 instead of getting this huge plate where, you know, I think a lot of, at least Americans, or at least I can speak for myself and my friends, like we grew up with the clean plate syndrome where you like, you have to clean the plate, right? So there's this psychology behind, it doesn't matter how hungry or not hungry you are, you have to clean the plate. And it may not even be conscious, but I thought this was interesting. You know, this, you see something pass by and it's just like this big, right? It's like three little sushi rolls and you grab it and then you can eat it. You can take your time. It was nice. You could space out, you know, between, it, I just thought it was a much healthier way to eat because you, there's no like internal dialogue about stopping like too early or like I only ate half my plate or comparing yourself to what whoever you're eating with is eating, you know, oh, I, I've cleared my plate. They didn't or vice versa. It was, I thought it was just a really interesting uh, way to eat and probably healthier, not only physically, but also psychologically as well. Absolutely. And that's actually a great example of the unconscious. We just learned, you know, I'm supposed to clean my plate. There's something wrong or it's not polite if I don't, if I don't eat everything on my plate there, you know, and everybody else is eating 
their full meal and I'm not, that looks bad. And so I'm just going to keep eating because it's the polite thing to do. Um, and, and you really touch on something that's really important, I think, which is like with these little portions or however we do it is it's a letting us, to, allowing us to reset back to what our body wants rather than what our habit would have us do. Right, right. So that makes a lot of sense. And I, I like how you're approaching it like this, where you're not saying like, okay, this is a good food. This is a bad food. You need to eat more of this and less of this. It's, it's deeper. It's non-judgmental. It's just like, hey, let's just notice this and let's just see what, it, what it's all about, where it might've come from. And, um, and I would imagine shining a spotlight on somebody's sort of like subconscious habits would just have the effect of sort of automatically helping them to eat better, right? Or, or change their relationship with food, right? And, and that's exactly it. You start to see, oh, I haven't been using food because I'm hungry. I've been using food or anything for all these other reasons besides what it was actually meant for. Right. And when I can address those deeper needs in different, more directed and healthier ways, then I don't need to go to the food to take care of that, right. whether it's comfort or security or those kinds of things. You know, I cuddle with my dog or, you know, cozy up on the couch or whatever it is. Right, right. That makes sense. So as the daughter of a yoga master growing up with that type of, you know, stature and that type of uh, training that, was it your mom, dad, both? Father. Mm -hmm. It was your father. Okay. Um, so I'm sure he just, even just watching him, right. Even if he didn't explicitly say like, this is what you need to do, or uh, I'm sure that had an effect. What do you, do you have any stories or like, remembrance remembrances of like specific examples where you were kind of molded by something that he said or did that has influenced you and how you work with clients or how you see the world today absolutely and but i do want to preface this by saying just because we learn it or we see what we're supposed to do doesn't mean we don't have our own journey right to figure out and so you know even though i saw all the right things because my dad was very good at this um, I still had, because at first I rebelled, right? I had to go and find my own way and you can't tell me what to do. But I went through my whole teenagers only to come back and rediscover it for myself. So I have to preface everything I say with that. Um, but one of the things that I noticed my dad doing was that he would take the time to enjoy what he was doing that was good for him. So, you know, when we're taking a walk, not just, okay, take a walk, get it over, I'm done, but notice how good it feels. Notice how much your body loves it. Notice your state of mind. And we are hardwired for pleasure and to avoid pain. And the more we can make that relationship and the connection between, wow, every time I take a walk, every time I work out, every time I give myself healthy and nutritious foods, I feel good. My mind is clear. I have more energy. The more you make that connection, the less it becomes a chore or something we're supposed to do, it becomes the thing we want to do. Right, right. I remember thinking this, uh, this was years ago. Uh, I had allowed myself to get out of shape in college and I talk about this frequently. I was on the pizza, not just pizza, a full pizza, a large pizza and a six pack of beer diet in college and just stressed and not sleeping and partying and doing all that stuff. And I remember realizing finally how out of shape I had gotten because growing up I was an athlete I always played sports and I realized how far from that I had fallen and I remember 
I don't know if it was me or just like hearing somebody, but I didn't, I didn't want to exercise. I didn't, I had no desire to exercise, but I wanted to want to exercise. And I thought that was a good distinction. And it kind of reminded me of what, you know, when you just said, like, if you're going to take a walk, like enjoy it, want to walk. Don't just do it because you're checking it off your list. Do it because you want to do it. And it's really enjoyable and you can cultivate that, right? Like if you're on a walk and maybe if you don't particularly enjoy it, uh, you can cultivate that enjoyment. And if that, I think if that's your goal, and again, going back to your, you know, your whole um, focus on the psychology behind it. If you go to that as your focus, then that creates something where you have a desire to do all these other healthy things and it's really more sustainable, right? Absolutely. And a great way to start, and this is something that I do for myself when I'm, you know, because there are days when I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm too tired. I don't have the energy. And of course we know we feel better afterwards is it's the micro habit. I only have to go for one minute, just step outside the door, just put on my sneakers, um, just enough to get me in the motion. And then once I'm out, it feels so good. I want to keep going. Um, but it's just getting my mind on, on my side. Yeah, absolutely. I like that concept of micro habit. That's a good way to put it. Um, has there ever been a time, I know you briefly mentioned your teenage years where you sort of rebelled. Has there ever been a time where you had to sort of like pull yourself out from like a rock bottom health crisis or anything like that? Like what, what was that like? Yeah. Um, well, I've had a couple, (laughs) if I'm really honest. So, um, when I was in college, kind of similar to you, I, um, you know, cause I grew up in a yoga community and that's easy to eat healthy and work out. And cause it's all around you, you're supported to do that. And, um, in my junior year, I went away to study diplomacy and found myself getting depressed food, um, not moving too much, you know, and, but it also affected my mind. And that's really when I brought in like all the stuff that my dad had taught that I had rejected. Um, And in the process, like people saw the change around me physically, you know, losing weight, getting healthy, getting brighter, happier. And then they started asking me, will you help me do the same thing? And that's how I actually got started. Nice. So your dad was almost teaching you like uh, how to pull yourself out of a funk and maybe maybe you didn't even know that you had that in you until, you know, you were kind of forced to, right? And like, you know, sort of that rock bottom moment where like, all right, now it's time to actually practice what I know. And uh, you, I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm just trying to imagine that whole situation. You probably ended up surprising yourself a little bit like, wow, I didn't know that was in there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and there's something to be said for having to do it on our own. You know, like I think often, I mean, before it was easy for me to rely on the environment to make it easy for me to do. And it was that moment where it was like, okay, there's nobody here but me. You know, if I want this, I have to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, it's a very powerful place to be. Mm -hmm. Because unless you've, unless you've been there, you don't, I think you don't realize the benefit of doing it on your own. Now, obviously, we can't like do everything on our own. We have support structures that are here around us, but I think until we've gotten to that point where it's like, wow, this man or woman I'm looking at in the mirror is who's gonna help me out of this. And I gotta look, I gotta dig deep and look for something inside of me that's going to help me sort of get get past this, whether it's a health challenge or financial or relationship or whatever it is. Uh, but, But I love that, that 
it really does. It comes down to psychology and, and how you talk to yourself, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I like asking the question too about now. So that was in the past about, I like bringing it to the present because um, I think sometimes it's easy for other people who are not in the health field, whether, you know, nutritionists, trainers or whatever, but people who are not in the health field to, to look at us and say, well, oh, easy for you. You know, you grew up in a yoga community or, you know, they look at me like, oh yeah, you played sports since you were five and now you've been a trainer for 15 years. Easy for you. But me, I'm a special case. So I like to help to humanize us a little bit. So is there anything now like that you do that maybe is not the healthiest, but shows kind of like, hey, I'm a human too. I'm going through this challenge with you, right? Absolutely. Well, I'm just going to fess up. And that's why I said, you know, I mean, I think no matter who we are, it's still an everyday choice. It's not like, okay, one and done. And, and now it's simple. Um, and for me, you know, what I would say is, you know, I'm a foodie. I love food. I love being with people. I love to cook. Um, that's just to me, one of the joys and pleasures of life, you know, so that's still the thing that I struggle with. And I think a lot of what I share with other people is also for myself, because it keeps me remembering um, and, and wanting, but not trying to stay on track for any other reason than I want to feel good in myself, um, out of self-love, not, not out of self-hate. Right you know, or I should look like this, or I should be like that. And, you know, I'm 54 years old, I'm getting up there. And I want to be able to like, be with my husband and have a great life as I get older. And so letting my, making the choices that will serve my long-term well-being and letting that be the direction of my life rather than a should is how I work with it. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. We don't want to, I know, I think it's Tony Robbins who says, don't should on yourself. And uh, okay, confession time, if we're going this direction, because yesterday I did one of the craziest workouts I've done in a long time. And afterwards I felt so depleted. And so I had a whole bunch of Snickers, little Snickers bars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, these are so good. <laughs> so here I am, just finished a workout and I'm a trainer myself and I'm eating a bunch of Snickers bars. It was great. <laughs> good. And that's the thing. And, and you know, we're going to have those moments, but then when we do it, also enjoy it. Like, yeah. you know, I go out for dinner with my friends. I'm like, okay, that was a little too much, but right. at least in the moment I enjoyed it. It was, I was all there. It's not like eating it and then poisoning myself with all this negative self-critical thought. Right. Guilt, shame. Move yeah. on. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. yeah. No guilt, no shame. Though I think though, I think guilt, the guilt and shame you feel from whatever story you're telling yourself, I think is far worse than eating something that is unhealthy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's poison. It is literally poison. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, a, there's an interesting study that, um, that chronic unmanaged emotional stress is up to 10 times more predictive of cancer and heart disease than smoking. That's crazy. 10 times. 10 times. So I'm more not saying we should all go and smoke. I know. Right. But it's like, we've got to get our thinking patterns under control. We need to manage them if we want to, because that's toxic. It's just as yeah. toxic as smoking, if not more so. Wow. That's crazy. Cause we, you know, we look at a smoker uh, and we're like, you know, there's something in the back of our head that's like, haven't you heard? That's not good for you anymore. Right. Like it was in the 1950s when the doctor's like, I smoke yeah. marble reds. Right. And they're <laughs> like, <laughs> actually conning people thinking it's healthy but now everyone knows it's not healthy but you're saying that that 
unmanaged, what, how did you phrase it? Un, chronic, chronic unmanaged? Unmanaged emotional stress. Chronic unmanaged emotional stress. So is that, that's like, uh, oh, I'm still mad at my parents for how they raised me. I'm, I'm still, you know, angry at my ex or that guy who cut me off in traffic or whatever, however it manifests, right? And it's, it just yeah. should completely. Yeah, or the guilt, the shame, you know, the way we, we put ourselves down in the name of health is actually right. unhealthy. Right. You know, right. so it's like, you know, we want to move in a direction. Of course, we're moving in the direction of health or whatever, however that looks for us. But there are going to be times that we get off the road and take a detour, or just get back on the road and keep going, minus the guilt and the shame, which is only going to act against our state of health. Right, right. I think we kind of uh, automatically fell into this topic. This is a question that I ask a lot of people on my show is like, uh, you have a client who falls off the wagon, right? Uh, how do you talk to them? And uh, you pretty much just summed it up, you know, let's get just let's just get back on the wagon, minus the guilt and the shame. And let's just move on. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's just getting clear on our direction. Like what, what I like to say is it's a direction, not a goal. So if you're going north and you know your direction is north, even going south can be a part of going north, even taking mm -hmm. a detour can be a part of going north as long as you know where you're going. Yeah. So don't, you know, just get clear on where you are and wherever you happen to go, it can all be a part of the journey as long as you know where you're going. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's another good segue because uh, I like to end the show with uh, going really big picture. So I'm going to give you a chance to be a motivational speaker. You're going to be in front of a, let's say like a college graduation at commencement or at a, at a corporation, maybe you're the keynote speaker. What's your one to two minute motivational speech for them on how to like kind of get the most out of life? Okay. So what I would say is that you are the creator of your experience of life. You are the captain of your ship. And once you choose the direction of your life, you are unbeatable. It's like you as the captain of your ship navigating by a North Star. And every day, you're going to have to make a choice because there are different parts of you that are going to come above board. It's going to be the enthusiastic you one day, and you're going to go one way, and then the, the lazy you, and the pessimistic you, and then the self-critical you. All of them are all going to come above board. But it is your job as the captain of your ship to keep on course, to, to stay in alignment with that North Star. Otherwise, what we risk is that every single day, depending on how we feel, our life will be going in different directions, essentially going around in circles. But when you choose to keep your eye on that North Star, your life will take a direction and it will take you to the place that you are intending to go. Nice, very well said. Uh, nice, Kamini, I wanna give you a chance to tell people how to get a hold of you, how to get in touch with you online, website, social media, any programs you have coming up, anything like that? Okay. Um, I do offer programs, immersions, and certification trainings in Yoga Nidra. You can find me at iameducation.org. All my programs are listed there. I also have a Yoga Nidra app that you can download on your app store, Apple, or Android. You can find it by typing in I am Yoga Nidra or my name, Kamini Desai. Um, just a one-time fee and you get seven nidras on there. So if you want to start reprogramming from the inside out, that would be a good place to check out. And I also have a book, Yoga Nidra, The Art of Transformational Sleep that you can find on Amazon. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. You have a lot of things going on. That's great. 
a lot of different resources. Nice. Well, Kamini, I want to thank you for joining me today on Health in the Real World. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be in touch and see you again soon. Great to meet you. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Health in the Real World show. Make sure to like and subscribe and comment down below. Visit mycorebalance.com to learn more.